0: Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. You know, when you think about revival, you think of... uh, Improving in strength or improving your condition, right? It could be a uh, it could be a recovery or a reassert resurg- resurgence, a, a rallying, you know, uh, uh, getting that fire back that maybe was lost, a renewed attention to something or renewed interest. So it's it's, it's that. Uh, a revival, being specifically speaking about spiritual things, um, that renewed desire for the Lord, for His Word, right, Amen. for His will in our lives, to begin to seek after Him, to begin to think about eternal things, um, not just the earthly things. You know, in our three out. Throughout history, there's been all all types of revivals, but even more recently, in, in America, there's been revivals. Uh, you think of the, the the Great Awakenings that folks talk about, and we've even uh, studied here before. But you know the first the first Great Awakening that was in the 1730s uh, that was in that was in Europe and also in the uh, colonies here in America. And they said that there was a deep revelation of individuals for a personal need for salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. And a great many people came to know Jesus Christ during those, those years. The second great awakening uh, happened here in, the United, here in the United States in like the 1790s uh, for, for a while. And that was... That was primarily uh, done with what they called circuit-riding preachers, and they would go and it was, they were kind of reaching out to America's uh, frontier families at the time, which was Tennessee, Kentucky, Ohio, this area even, and they would go out and, and, and ride circuits and preach in little villages and things, and, and there was a, a great many people came to know Christ and churches planted and churches started. Through that. And then the, the, the third great awakening, which is the one that folks know probably um, is the most familiar, happened at the uh, end of the 18, 1800s and into the early 1900s. And it really just started out of a simple prayer meeting in New York City with a man by the name of Jeremiah Lampner, who just began at noon to pray and then get business folks together to pray. And there was a huge uh, move of God. Uh, So many people accepted Christ at that time. And what, what became of that, which is the most amazing thing, was in the early 1900s, there was a great foreign missionary movement from the United States that came out of that revival, that third great awakening. And of course, we know that we need that today. We need revival. I mean, whether it's an individual or whether it's our country, and I believe that God could use us to take the light to other countries, right? Preach the gospel because it is needed. It is needed. Without the word of God, without the truth, we ourselves and everyone else is in darkness. You can, not just in a, in a corporate sense, think of revival, but even here in this room, this small group this morning, there's people that have a testimony of revival. Where at one point, I've told my testimony many times here, accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior as a young boy, but then totally and completely got away from the Lord. And as, as I was turning 21 years old, God brought revival to me from from a person that was uh, lukewarm or actually cold toward God and the things of God. To He stirred uh, in my heart and just showed me truth. And that is a personal revival. And I would uh, I would have to say that I personally need revival quite often, right? Because just the things of this world and myself, all these sort of things could and uh, get in the way and cool us off, if you will, right? I saw a thing in a, in a book uh, this week talking about uh, church, the church could have revival if, it says if the sleeping folks would wake up and if the lukewarm folks would fire up, if the dishonest folks would confess up and the disgruntled folks would sweeten up, if the discouraged folks would cheer up, the distressed folks would look up, if the divided folks would make up, if the gossipers would... Shut yeah, shut up. You got that one? If the dry bones would shake up, if the true soldiers would stand up, and if God's people would pray up. We need that, don't we? A, a, a fire, a, an excitement, a life. This morning we're going to take the time to look at a revival that was detailed in God's Word. It's it's in 2 Kings and it's also in 2 Chronicles. So we're going to look at it this morning from 2 Chronicles. But turn there, 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Now just kind of a brief, quick history. Uh, Israel, the kingdom of Israel, was divided after Solomon, right? Right? So the the kingdom is divided. There's the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, right? The northern kingdom being Israel. The southern kingdom being Judah. And Judah, that that kingdom, was the descendants of David, the great king, right? And so here we're going to look at a story about one of those kings of Judah named Joash. As you look at uh, the kings... All of the kings, whether it's the southern kingdoms, northern kingdoms, uh, all of them, there's a mixed bag. There's good kings and bad kings, right? And uh, what made the difference between a good king in the Old Testament and a bad king was simply if they followed the Lord. It was simply if they feared God and trusted Him and walked with God and, trusted and followed His laws and His ways. Ultimately, you know the story that both the southern kingdoms and the northern kingdoms are taken into captivity. And this uh, Josiah, he was the 16th king of, of Judah, but he was the fifth from the last. So it's, it's getting down near the end before Judah ends up going into captivity with Nebuchadnezzar. And, 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 and Josiah has not a good influence in his life. So it's hard to imagine this, but in, in Israel, in Judah at the time, these, these kings uh, before Josiah, his father and his grandfather were not followers of God. They were not seeking God. They were not following God. They were not believing God. And so that's kind of the context here in Second Chronicles chapter 34. Look with me in verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left hand. For in the eighth year of his reign, when he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David his father. And in the 20th year, He began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the grove, groves and the carved images and the molten images. And He break down the altars of Balaam in His presence and the images that were on high above them and cut down and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. And He break in pieces and made dust of them and strode them in the graves of them that sacrificed unto them. Here we have this king Josiah who becomes king at eight years old. That's crazy, isn't it? Shailen is eight years old. Could you imagine her running the country right now? It'd be a scary thought. But anyhow, he at a young age, he at a young age began to seek after God. Here we see in his eighth year reign, so he's 16 years old. He begins to seek God. You know, we could be sitting here this morning, and and. You know, depending on where, where you're at in your spiritual life because we're all on a spiritual journey we're all trying to draw close to the Lord but all of us are in different places depending on where you're at you may be sitting here saying I need revival right? I need revival, I need something I need something in my life that's real and, 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 and life changing right? but I don't know where to start I don't know where to start in a relationship with God I mean, is that even real? It sounds even strange. You know, you may think it's... But where, where, where do I start? I believe it starts simply by seeking Him. Having a heart that says, God, I want, I want to know You. I want to know truth. He promises in His Word. He says, seek and you shall what? Find. Knock and it shall be open unto you, Right? He says, draw nigh to God, and there's a promise, he will draw nigh to you. So he begins to seek God, he begins to go after God, and at 20 years old, the passage says here that he begins to repent. He begins to purge out some of the things. It's amazing to think this is this is Israel. This is Judah. These are God's chosen people that he chose Abraham, right? He chose Isaac, he chose Jacob. He called them out to be His own people. He delivered them in a, in amazing, powerful ways from Egypt. Right. And now we see. Now we see them worshiping idols, worshiping Balaam, worshiping images that they made with their own hands. How sad is that? How sad that God's chosen people are even at a place. Of such darkness and such blindness that they've experienced God in their life in the past and their in their in their history, but now they're seeking after things that are made of their own hands, idols, things like that. But he begins to purge. He begins to repent of those things. Look at Second Chronicles. We're going to kind of read down through this passage as we go, thirty-four, verse eight. And in the eighteenth year of his reign, when he had purged the land. And the house he sent Shaphan, so he sends him, the Bible says at the end, to repair the house of the Lord. So he sends him out, his servant, to begin to fix up the temple of God. Verse 9, And when he came to Hilkiah, the high priest, they delivered the money that was brought into the house of God, which the Levites that kept the door had gathered in the land of Manasseh and Ephraim, of the remnant of Israel and all Judah and Benjamin and they returned to Jerusalem. So 26 years old, we have this young man, this young king who's getting in the church. Right? You know, some people talk about young people. It's hard to get them into church. Here we had a young young person that he wasn't trying to get out of church. He was trying to get into it. And his parents hadn't been involved in the temple. It, was, it, had, it had decayed. It was falling apart. It was not in good shape. And here he is. He's wanting to get involved. He wants to fix it up. He wants to go in and make it a better place. He wants to make the temple of the Lord a beautiful place so that God is glorified there. Verse 10 says, verse 10, and and they put in the hand of the workmen that had oversight of the house of the Lord in the sight of the house of the Lord and gave it to the workmen that wrought in the house uh, of the Lord to repair and to amend the house. Verse 12, and the men did the work faithfully. So here this young king, he's getting everybody involved. He's getting everybody involved in the work of the Lord and getting them busy. And look at verse 14. This is in the middle of this large project of of rebuilding or remodeling the temple that Solomon had built, his great-great-grandfather. In verse 14, And when they brought out the money that was brought to the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. And Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan. And Shaphan carried the book to the king and brought the king word back again, saying, All that thou hast commanded thy servants, they do it. And they uh, they have gathered together the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have delivered it to the hand of the overseers and the hand of the workmen. And Shaphan, the scribe, told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest had given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the law, that he rent his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah and and and, Helkim and the son of Shaphan, And and all these folks, the servants of the kings, go inquire of the Lord for me and for them that are left in Israel and Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do after all that is written in the book. I love how all this just happens, how this just falls apart. So this guy just has in, it, in himself, he wants to seek the Lord. He wants to build up the temple. And in this remodeling, in this remodeling process, all of a sudden the priest that has been in the temple, right, he comes to the scribe and says, Hey, listen, I found this, I found this book. I found this ancient, ancient book. And, and listen, this didn't happen by accident, by the way. God revealed this. God revealed this to Josiah. Why? Because he wanted to know. Listen, I believe this. If we want the truth, God will bring it to us. God will bring it to us. And it, and it just happens so nonchalantly. Like It's like the priest says to Shaphan, Hey, I found this book. Right? And Shaphan goes to the king and says, Hey, look at this book that was found. Not knowing that this was scripture. This is is, uh, the law of Moses that had been written down. You know, that makes me wonder, what in the world had they been doing in the temple before that? I mean, what what was written in the law of of Moses? All the commandments, all the things that were to be done with the Levites and in the temple. So I'm sitting there thinking, what were they doing in the temple if they didn't even have the word of God? What were they doing in the temple before? It was like a, a revelation. Oh, here's the Bible. Right? I, I, here's the word of God. This is what we've been lacking for the last several hundred years. This is what's been missing. The priest delivers it to him. and just been, to this point, business as usual. Listen, without the word of God, this is, a, without the word of God, we have, it is a light. To our feet, uh, lamp to our path, right light to our path, lamp to our feet. Without the Word of God, we are lost, right? right? We're lost. And here they see this, the Bible. They they get it, and it's just like an awesome discovery, isn't it? To all of them, they're like, "Wow, look at this!" Isn't it exciting to see new believers and they come to know Christ and experience? God's forgiveness, experience his indwelling spirit, just experience all that. And then they have the Bible and everything's new, you know, everything's fresh. Like reading scripture and think, you know, how long has that been there? Right? Just the Bible coming alive. Listen, for, for not just a new believer, it should be this way for all of us. Right, amen. That we are discovering God's word, that we are getting in it. Uh, To find it. This is what he's saying. Listen, as I'm reading this scripture, Josiah says this is not how my parents lived. This is not how the kings before us were. They weren't following the law of the Lord. They weren't following God's commandments. They weren't keeping uh, the, the temple as they should have and all the things that God had told them to do. We had no idea, Josiah said, but now we know. We've read it for ourselves and now we see it. Now we see what has happened. And they all get excited about it. That's what I find is interesting. As soon as he reads this, he rents his clothes and, and he commands Shaphan. And he says, go down there to the college in Jerusalem and, and ask the prophetess down there. What are we supposed to do? Now that, we hear, now that we've heard this Bible, what are we supposed to do? What do we, we got to do? And she, she responds back to him in, in um, verse 27 of, Chapter 34, because thine heart was tender, she says to the king, Josiah, and thou didst humble thyself before God when thou heardest the words against this place and against the inhabitants thereof and humblest thyself before me and did rend their clothes and weep before me, I have heard thee also, saith the Lord. So Josiah hears the word and then he wants to know what to do. That makes all the difference, doesn't It's when you hear the word and not just hear it. Because listen, we have discovered the word of God. It's not hidden to us. Think, you know, this is what makes America so great is the word of God is here. It's all over. But how often is it that we hear it, but then don't say, okay, now, Lord, what do I do? Right? It makes all the difference in the world to be a hearer of the word and a doer. Of the word, and Josiah was one of those fanatics. He was one of those fanatics that says, "I don't just want to hear it; I want to do something with it." Listen, we as we—I don't know that we understand. I don't even—I don't understand how precious the word of God is. How much of a blessing that we have to be able to own it, to be able to have it. We truly believe that it's God's Word. That it's eternal. To think that God can speak to us and will speak to us through it. How precious, how precious is the Word of God. That it is our spiritual meat, spiritual milk. It's what sustains us. For Christians, for the church, if we're going to have a resurgence, a rally spiritually, if we're going to have... A revival it's not going to be based on just sheer emotion it's going to be based on the word of God and God's people discovering it for themselves God's people rediscovering it listen you know what I like about Josiah is when he read it he was quick to say I was wrong he changed his mind right the thought thought process that he had, that his parents had, and the philosophies that they had been born with, Josiah was willing to say, listen, I just read God's Word, and I'm going against it, so therefore it must be, even though I'm the king, right? Even though I have great power, even though I'm the king, I must be wrong, Josiah thought. And that should be our heart. That should be our attitude toward the Word of God. Is Listen, if there's a discrepancy between the Word of God and our life, It's us that's wrong, right? It's the word of God that's true and relevant, and relevant today. Look at verse 29 of chapter 34. The king, he gets so excited about it, this young king, he wants everybody to know. So verse 29, and the king sat and gathered together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord, the newly remodeled temple. And all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the Levites and all the people, great and small, and he read in their ears the word of the book of the covenant that was found in the house of the Lord. Isn't this story awesome? How it just kind of they just find the Bible, they find get the scripture, and they get so excited about it. They're telling each other, and then he calls everybody together and says, "Listen, you have got to read this. You've got to hear what the word of God says." So he reads it to them and and they hear it. Verse 31. And the king before all these people stood in the place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes. Look at this. With all his heart. And with all his soul, to perform the words of the covenant which are written in the book. This sets jo- Josiah. The Bible says that he, there was, he was like no other king besides David. Uh, uh, you, know, you know what set Josiah apart? Is he publicly, as a young man, stood before all these people and said, I didn't know. There was a time in my life where I didn't know. I was brought up heathen. My parents didn't teach me right. All this society wasn't right. But one day, somebody brought me the Word of God. One day, somebody brought me the Scripture. And he read that Scripture before all the congregation. And he stood there before him and he says, I, as the King of Judah, I commit to following God, to following His testimonies, to following his statutes. And I, to the best of my ability, Josiah says, I'm going to do it with all my heart. And I'm going to do it with all my soul. And revival, revival came to Judah. You say, what's going to bring revival? It's going to be somebody hearing the word of God and committing to it. You say, what's going to change my life? What's going to bring revival? What's going to bring the fire and the passion and the miracles and the, the presence of God into my life? Life-changing power, right? A new man, that's a miracle. What's going to do that? What's going to do that? Taking his word and saying, this is truth, and I commit to it. I surrender to it. I humble myself to God's word. This is a simple, simple thought. But it is the, it, this is what brings revival. It's God's Word being the authority. God's Word being our compass. God's Word being our direction in our light. He says, I commit to it. I am going to try to do it with all my heart. This is what will change an individual's life. This is what will change a nation. Right? Then he repents and and does some further changing in his life. As soon as he commits, verse 33, And Josiah took away all the abominations out of the countries that pertain unto the children of Israel and made all that were present in the land to serve and to serve the Lord their God all the days. They departed not from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. They said, listen, we decide, we choose. Like you, King Josiah, The nation says, we choose now to put away our false gods. We choose to put away our images and man-made idols. And we choose to follow after the one true God and follow Him. That's repentance, right? That's repentance. There is a point in time, you know, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that we repent of our sins. God, have mercy upon me, a sinner, Right. right? The way that I've been living, the things that I've been doing, I recognize that I am a sinner and I'm turning from those things. The Bible says all the same. I'm sure of the glory of God. That puts us all in the same boat. You say, what's he do after he commits? After he repents? Whole, the whole chapter 35, I'm just going to read the first verse. But the whole chapter is about them observing the Passover. They found that in the law of Moses. We we read about it in the Law of Moses in our Bible. And that's where they found it. This was a Passover. This was a feast that was to be kept year after year since the nation of Israel had been brought out of Egypt. The Passover, the Passover where where the death angel passed over if you had the blood on the doorpost and the lentil picturing the cross and Jesus Christ, right? And so Josiah gets in the scripture, he gets in the Bible, and he reads about this Passover that they should have been keeping, right? And they weren't. And he says, my goodness, we're going to do this. And he goes, and here's what I like about Josiah. He goes, we're going to do it big. If you read the chapter, they bring all these sacrifices, and he gets all the Levites, the priests, the whole tribe of Levites. He gets all of them together. He gets all these singers together. And the Bible says here that this Passover that Josiah kept this year after this great revival was the largest ever. I mean, he did it up big. He said, listen, we are going to follow the Lord. You know what? You know what the Passover was about? In, in a sense, it was worship. It was worship. You say, well, what do you mean by that? They are they kept the Passover to remember God's great power and how he delivered them out of Egypt out of the bondage that they were in right Amen. And today we keep what the, the communion of the Lord's Supper the Lord's Supper and what is that? that points to Jesus Christ our Passover. Amen. And so as we remember, we keep the the, the Lord's Supper as a remembrance of what Jesus Christ did for us, our (coughs) Redeemer. You say, what do you mean by that? Jesus Christ, God, manifest in the flesh, came to earth, lived a sinless life. He was crucified on the cross for our Amen. He took our sins upon himself. His blood, Jesus Christ's blood, was shed for us that we could be forgiven. That we could be justified. That's a word, you know, just as if we never sinned in the sight of God. He said, How do we receive that justification, that forgiveness of Jesus Christ? By simply asking Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin. To save you, come into your heart and save your soul. And Jesus Christ becomes your Passover lamb. Josiah, worship the Lord with this Passover, honoring God. It's such a wonderful thing! You know what's amazing? The Bible is so, the Bible is so relevant today. When Josiah read this, this had been written long before Josiah. Right? But Josiah read it as if it was relevant for him that day and was true for him today. And the word of God is relevant and true for us today. You know what's interesting about Josiah? 350 years before Josiah in 1 first kings, there was a wicked king in Judah. And a prophet came up against him and said, there is coming a king that will have a revival in this land. And he named, he named Josiah. 300 years before Josiah, Josiah had been prophesied about Listen, when you start getting into the Bible, God's living and alive Word, you're going to find out that it all clicks together so miraculously. It's just amazing. Do you know what else is interesting about the story in the Word of God? 400 years before Josiah, 400 years before Josiah, God had chosen David's son, Solomon, Solomon builds the temple. Solomon has this huge uh, dedication. He has a prayer, right? He has a a sermon. And then God comes to Solomon and says this. He says, you you guys are worshiping me now, following close to me now, but if if you guys, if, if the nation of Israel, my people, ever start to stray from me, they start to serve other gods, and they start to go after false gods and idols and all those things, he says they're going to get judged. But, he says to Solomon, I want you to tell the people, there's a recipe for revival. There's a recipe, he tells Solomon as he builds the temple. There's a recipe for my people to come back to me. And it was relevant for Josiah because it was the same recipe he used to bring the people back to God, and it's true for us today. I want to read this passage as we close. In Second Chronicles Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 God says to Solomon if my people which are called by my name humble themselves you know what we have to say? God is true. He created us He made us therefore His word is relevant for my life humble ourselves, right? He said, humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Didn't I say from the beginning? This is the the recipe for revival. is humility, seeking God in a prayer like, Lord, if you're real, show yourself. God, lead me. God, guide me in my life. He said, humble yourself and pray and turn from their wicked ways. That's what? Repentance. Then, God says, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will hear, heal their land. Listen, we can have revival in our individual lives, in our church, in our nation. So how do we do it? Seek God. Humble ourselves. Just pray and ask. Turn from the things that God shows us are, de- are destroying us. Turn from the things that God shows us are hurting us. Turn from those things, humble ourselves, and God says, and I'll hear from heaven. There's nothing like heaven. God that created the universe, hear our prayers and answer us, and begin to work in our life, to begin to show Himself true. Commit to this. To seek God, to pray, to read His Word. And while we read, while we read. If there's something that God shows us in our lives, say, Lord, help me. Help me change. Help me turn. And commit our lives to the Lord. We're going to have a time of prayer. If the Lord has spoken to your heart, you say, I need personal revival. Well, just pray. Just seek Him. Just ask Him. There is a point of humbling ourselves. Maybe you're here this morning. You say, I've... I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Like, I've always believed that there is a God. I've always been somewhat religious, but there's never been a time in my life where I've surrendered to the gospel. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. This morning, give me the Lord. You say, God, be merciful to me. Mm -hmm. Lord God, with all my heart, I'm asking you to save me. Asking you to come into my heart and live. And I promise you, God will heal. He'll hear that prayer. He'll answer that prayer he will save So we just take a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, God, as we come before you, Lord, we want uh, to be on fire. We want to rally. Lord, we we don't want to just go through this life mediocre, lukewarm. Lord, I pray that we as individuals would seek you with all our heart with all our soul. God, I pray that you would make your word fresh, alive, living. Help us to discover it. Help us to go at it as students seeking you and seeking your wisdom. Lord, I pray that you stir us up each and every one of us. God, I pray that you do a work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website, or you could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. Feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.